0: Hi again, everyone, and for first time listeners, welcome. You're listening to Joey P. and Frank. I'm Frank Fear of the Sports Column, and as always, I'm here with Joe Platania to talk NFL. This is our 2021 season preview show, and Joey and I are pleased to be joined by two colleagues and friends who really know the NFL. First, we have Brett Dickinson, founder of the Sports Column and longtime Baltimore area radio personality and producer who serves these days as director of operations at the Ed Block Courage Award Foundation, a service organization that operates in partnership with the NFL. Brett will have more to say about the work of the foundation in a few moments. And we also were pleased to have Jason Fearman. Jason is an author at the Sports Column, and he's also the lead co host of the Third and Three podcast, a weekly program that you can watch live on Facebook and also listen to on Anchor, Spotify, and other fine podcast platforms. Third and Three is a fast paced, informative, and entertaining program as Jason and Sidekicks. Nikki and Damien do a great job of getting you engaged in all matters NFL and beyond. Third and three, make it a weekly habit. With that, let's get right to it, and Joey will introduce and welcome our guests.
1: Okay, Frank, thank you so very much. I mean, this may be the third time you and I have been together, but it's our first time with two very, very special guests. Anybody who's been on the Sports Column website or Facebook Live, you know these names, And they are Brett Dickinson and Jason Fearman. And gentlemen, so very, very glad to have you with us.
2: Uh, Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Uh, Brett Dickinson. Um, I am the creator of the sports column. I started this uh, nine years ago uh, as a way to uh, give everybody a voice. Um, You know, I, you know, graduating college, I was finding trouble finding uh, not only a position in journalism, but also uh, just finding, uh, you know, somewhere where I could you know, put out articles and, and do what I, what I was passionate about in writing. Um, so that's why I developed the SportCom, and I could have never imagined it's going to, to this point. Um, I have, you know, obviously taken over as the Director of Operations for the Ed Block Courage Award Foundation, which has been around for 43 years, going on 44 years now, um, working with the NFL, uh, partnering uh, NFL teams with child abuse facilities around the country, um, and supporting them um, in their mission uh, to help out medicate um, uh, child abuse. So, um, you know, really looking forward to joining you guys, and you know, looking forward to catching up with everybody. And so we have a a, a, a great show today.
1: Thank you so much. And I I, I know firsthand, having been to that uh, Ed Block Courage Awards uh, gala a few times, uh, maybe over a dozen, and many other great events. I know what kind of a uh, terrific work that that foundation does. And uh, and Jason, the, the third and three podcast and your work on the sports column, it's definitely got your visibility uh, going in uh, definitely in the right direction.
3: And we're, we're glad to have you, too. Hey, you know, you couldn't have said it better. And Brett was right on with that. I mean, it was a few years ago that I got with you guys on the sports column. And I was in between not really caring so much about doing podcasts and writing anymore, you know, just more into life and everyday sort of things. But the sports column totally revived and revamped me absolutely did i started writing um doing a little editing with you guys and everything like that and it worked out so great and then all of a sudden i'm like you know what i need to do with the podcast i need to get back into what i really love so this is like was a major jumping off point point. and now like you had mentioned with facebook live and doing it through Streamyard, getting so many more viewers and we're so appreciative of it that's why we try to give our shout outs every week to like, the ones who show love to us and we love it when people are in the comments section and they're talking about the topics that we're talking about. It's it's really great. So, you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's something that, you know, of course, you want to get paid for, but it's something that you like doing for free also.
0: Well, Jason, we're uh, re- really pleased to have you here today along with Brett and Joey, three of my favorite people. Uh, all three of you are inspirations in the work that you've done and uh, thanks so much for being here. And today is our 2021 season preview show. And we're going to talk about uh, the NFL and what you see uh, coming as we move into the season. Preseason will be here before we know it. And uh, for the audience, here are the things we're going to be talking about today and, and tap the brains of uh, these three uh, really, really knowledgeable folks about the NFL. What they see is the biggest offseason story. There are a lot of stories they could pick from. We're going to talk about which teams they think uh, made the most strides and those teams that lost ground uh, in the offseason. What they see is the biggest issue facing the league uh, and what they also think uh, will be the biggest surprise and the biggest disappointment uh, as they look into their crystal ball for 2021. And, of course, we'll end the program looking uh, at uh, what they see in the future, their predictions, for those teams that will make the playoffs, maybe those teams that we think might make the playoffs but won't, and then who they think will uh, settle in the AFC and NFC championship game, and of course, the Super Bowl. So why don't we start with uh, with Joe, and then uh, you two guys please uh, jump in. Uh, what do you see as the biggest offseason story from your perspective?
1: Well, what, we're gonna, what I'm going to do here is go from macro to micro as far as uh, honing in on that big offseason story. In the bigger picture, yeah, football is America's most popular game. According to the yearly Harris poll, football took the lead in that poll in 1965, and it, it, the lead has only widened ever since. So you've got America's most popular game. It deals with uh, the most like, one of the most iconic franchises in the game, the Green Bay Packers the most important position in sports, the quarterback. I think you can see where I'm going here. We're going right to the front door of Aaron Rodgers. Now, he'll probably chase you off with a shotgun, but that's beside the point. This, this is a guy who um, has just completely laid down his cards on the table and said that he doesn't want to be a Packer anymore, even though he's put together an outstanding career, future Hall of Fame career. Uh, you, sometimes you look at a story like this and think it's just a lot of noise, that it's all bark and no bite, but you look at the fact that spring practices came, the OTAs, the minicamp, and no Aaron Rodgers. And a lot of real, a lot of things pivot off this. Aaron Rodgers is sort of a fulcrum for the entire league because of the way Green Bay has performed under him, and you look at that team and you think, "Well, how am I going to predict how they're going to do if he's not there or if he is there?" I mean, since it's a very uncertain situation, It kind of pivots everything on how you can make your picks as to what teams are going to do what because Green Bay has been such a, a for the most part, since uh, the early 60s, it's been off and on, mostly on, uh, one of the real players in the NFL. So once we see how this Aaron Rodgers situation resolves itself or gets resolved, uh, we're kind of still hanging in limbo with
2: training camp uh, barely two weeks away. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Joe. And and just the Jump on that, um, you know, the, the one thing with Aaron Rodgers, is he's a really smart guy. And the one, the one thing that smart guys do is they don't give away free money. Um, I think eventually he ends up showing up. Uh, you know, I think this is just a power move by Aaron Rodgers more than anything, um, trying to assert his dominance over the franchise, especially with the issues with the GM. Um, you have a young head coach. Um, Aaron Rodgers comes saying, this is my team. Um, you know, you guys have obviously disrespected me in certain ways in, in his mind. Um, so I'm going to kind of sit this this offseason out and I'll show up at some point. I'll collect my paychecks. I'll make sure I'm catching, you know, throwing touchdown passes or anything like that. But I want you to know that I'm serious about this, that I am upset with this franchise. Um, but I, I kind of want to expand on what you're talking about a little bit. Um, it, we've never seen an off season like this with the quarterback position. It, it, it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers. It was also right. Russell Wilson. It was Deshaun Watson. Um, right. You had Trevor Lawrence going first pick in the draft. You had you know you know four other teams taking taking quarterbacks relatively high. And it, the the fluctuation that's been going on, and and the rumors, and you know nothing really came of it. But we never have seen something like this, where you could have had two or three of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL kind of changing teams. Obviously, it didn't happen with Wilson, and, and Deshaun Watson situation is still up in the air with everything he's going through with the legal troubles, and, and you saw Aaron Rodgers. But uh, it's never that—that is not the way the league has ever operated, where you know these guys, franchise players, these franchise quarterbacks are on the move while they still have plenty left in the tank and, and, and their teams are still in contention to win a Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, you know what? I got To be honest with you, that was my exact one. I was going with Aaron Rodgers. But in the interest of being different, because I love what you said and I can expand upon it because – they talk about it every single day. And the guy says something maybe once a week that we can talk about. So, obviously, they're all over it. And you can go back to Tom Brady last year and all the hype of what was going to happen with him. So, with these big-time quarterbacks, yeah, you get it. But you know what I'm thinking, guys? How will these young quarterbacks play in the NFL? Now, we got Justin Herbert, who's short of 31 of 10 uh, last year. you got Joe Burrow. you got Kyler Murray. You still have Josh Allen, who's relatively young. Lamar Jackson, an MVP. Coming back of Dak Prescott, there's so many young quarterbacks. And then the ones that were drafted this year, Justin Fields. When is he going to get into play with Chicago? Is Trey Lance going to get to play with the 49ers? What's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson? We know that they're going to start. And then you go to Mac Jones, where you have one offense for him and another offense for Cam Newton. What are they going to do? And that will be very interesting with the Patriots this year with the amount of moves that they made. So I am really interested to see If the quarterbacks who look good in their first or second or even third year can make those strides and continue to get better. Because if that's the case, the NFL is in unbelievably great shape for a long, long time because the quarterback position is what counts really more than anything in everybody's eyes, even though it takes 11 on each side. But that is the way that I see it: the young quarterbacks and how are they going to do going forward?
1: Yeah, I I think it's uh, the the rather Darwinian evolution of things. I mean, you look at 1983, uh, the Elway-Marino draft and a lot of great quarterbacks there, 2004 with Rivers and Roethlisberger, and now uh, look at what you have now, uh, all the great young quarterbacks you just cited as well as the ones coming into the league now. I mean, you could probably look at any position on the field and take a look at the turnover and the generational talents that come along. I mean, at one time, I thought the best guard I'd ever seen was John Hanna, but then again, I've been in Baltimore, and I covered Marshall Yanda his whole career. So I mean, these are the these are the uh, the passages of time. These are the way time is marked, and it's just the natural evolution of things. And when you talk about these uh, incredible quarterbacks, I mean, I grew up watching John Unitas, and to see the talent that's come through the quarterback position since, it's uh, it just seems to be the natural order of things. But it is still very very fascinating to me.
0: Shift from talking about players to talking about teams. Uh from your perspective, you could pick a team or multiple teams, uh, which one or ones made the biggest strides in the offseason and which team or teams went the other direction? Let's start with uh,
2: start with Brett. Uh, I, mean, I mean, there's, there's just a couple options you can go. And, you know, we obviously just talking about that quarterback position and, you know, what teams added. A quarterback that's going to put them over the top you know you know teams are excited you know los angeles rams they seem to be very excited about matt stafford i think that move is a little overrated i don't see that huge gap between stafford and and jared Goff. uh you know you've got the chicago bears and bringing in justin fields but now you're talking about a rookie uh, going to chicago you know where they've always struggled developing quarterbacks how's that going to work out uh you know i i think some of the teams that that uh have improved the most are are the ones that are kind of little under the radar um i I look at the minnesota vikings uh they had a really good draft Uh, they kind of you know stood pat on on where they were on their roster but they added in some good young pieces uh, to a team that was uh, you know in the playoffs two years ago uh, a a team that struggled last year a little bit but you have some young young uh, stars in, in Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. I mean, I, Adam Thielen's getting a little older, but, uh, you know, still a star player. So I, I think Minnesota did really well, especially with adding young talent. Uh, and, and, you know, Tampa Bay. It, it, it's, you know, Tampa Bay is the one that probably had the best offseason of anybody and all they did was just bring everybody back from the Super Bowl roster uh, and, and adding the fact that they arguably have the greatest player of all time under center at this point. So uh, I, I think Tampa Bay's the winner. I, I mean, I think there's a couple of teams that added some good young players uh, to their core that, that could possibly get them into the, that playoff hunt, maybe into that contention hunt. But I think Tampa Bay's obviously had the best offseason when you look at the grand scheme of things and, you know, how good that rostered, how talented that roster is, and they kept it all intact
0: hmm On the other side of the coin, Brett.
2: Teams that uh,
0: maybe stepped uh, back a couple couple steps.
2: Uh you know, that's that's a it's a really tough one, you know. I, I you know, I, I obviously think Detroit obviously has taken a step back. They lose their, you know, franchise quarterback, a really good player. You know, I, I just mentioned how he's a little overrated and I don't think there's that much difference between him and Jared Goff, but you're they, losing these pieces um that have been around and, and weren't able to get you over the hump. Um I, I think Denver um may have dropped the ball a little bit when they had the opportunity to draft a quarterback. I don't know if Drew Locke is going to be that guy. Um we've seen what Teddy Bridgewater is. Um, with a really talented roster around that quarterback position, they didn't address it at all. Um, and the same thing goes for the Washington uh, football team. Uh, they did bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde quarterback. He has good games. He has bad games. He's a fun-loving loving guy. Everybody loves him. They'll be good for the fans and, and things like that. But, you know, this is a guy that's really old. Uh, who knows how long he's going to be able to play. He's a guy has never been able to hold down a starting job long term. Um, so I, I think the teams that that avoided drafting quarterbacks are the ones that are, are in the biggest trouble taking a step back this year. Um, and I would name the, the Washington football team and um, the Denver Broncos those two where, you know, if those quarterbacks don't pan out, the rest of the roster, it doesn't matter how talented it is, you're not going to go anywhere.
0: Yeah, agree. Well stated. Jason, you're up.
3: Well, I think that the Patriots had the best offseason out of everybody. They're not only bringing back players who opted out of COVID last year, but they went ahead and they got John Smith and Hunter Henry, which when you have two tight ends like that, I mean, you can really work the middle of the field and open up the outside of the field where they went and got Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, which not huge names, but they can play football. And they are going to be a running team anyway. They built this team more for Matt Jones, but Cam Newton will start until – it's time for him to go and you know what hopefully for his sake and for the team's sake that doesn't happen but i think the patriots took major strides this year and i think the chargers are going to take major strides and what they were in every single game last year, guys every game it came down to three points four points whatever it was they were driving at the end of the game they couldn't quite get it in the end zone i think now justin herbert with having a full offseason of him knowing being the starting quarterback that that team is definitely going to be a team on the rise, not necessarily to contend with Kansas City at the top of the AFC West, but a playoff team. Yeah, watch out.
0: What about on the other side, Jason?
3: On the other side, the biggest one for me is the Steelers, guys. Uh, look, I know Ben's coming back and some people think that's a good thing. A lot of people think it's a bad thing. I fall somewhere in between, but the man is 39. He's not on the Tom Brady, you know, Aaron Rodgers diet. So we know he's not in the greatest shape in the entire world. Um, look, they have a terrible offensive line as of now. Andrew Phil and Rayburn is gone. They should go and try to pick up Mitchell Schwartz if he hasn't been picked up by now in the last seconds that we've been talking. Um, their offensive line is a mess. I know they drafted Najee Harris, but that's not going to do anything for you if you don't have any blocking and their defense. Another thing, you know, they lose Bud Dupree. They got hurt last year. Look, they started eleven and zero, and they completely fumbled their way through into the first round of the playoffs and got their butt kicked by the Cleveland Browns. So I think the Steelers are a big one. Another one, it's got to be the Texans. I know they were four and twelve last year, but they could be two and thirteen or two and seven. I don't even know how to do these records now with seventeen game schedules. But that's another team that I see that could have trouble. And one last one, real quick, the Saints. I'm worried about that quarterback situation. I love Sean Payton as a head coach. And I know that he can figure stuff out, but they're not going to be the team they were with True Breeze.
0: Hmm. Joey, you're batting cleanup.
1: Okay. Well, as far as uh, teams on the rise and, and, and uh, on the decline, I think you guys have hit on a lot of really terrific points there. Uh, one, one that I don't think was mentioned was uh, the Miami Dolphins. I really love what Brian Flores has done there in his first few years. I mean, it's a re. It, you know, a lot of teams talk about rebuild and all the different kinds of sports. But I think what's going on in Miami is uh, very, very promising. I think Flores is one of the uh, great young coaches in the National Football League. And I think they're going to be um, one of those teams that snags a wild card spot that came close to doing it last year, but did not. Interesting that ever since this playoff system with the seeding came into being in 1990, I mean, my guy, 30, 31 years now, every single season since then, you've had at least four teams drop out of the playoffs and four new ones come in. Matter of fact, one year there was eight, a turnover of eight. So you have four in four out. And with my predictions, which I'm sure we'll go over later, I have five new teams coming in this year and I think the dolphins are going to be one of them. Uh, of course, everything we, as we go right back to that quarterback position is uh, to a tag of a low, we're going to be able to uh, get more consistent and get more settled in that offense. Of course, a lot is going to hinge on that, but I love what's happening in Miami. And of course, a lot of the teams you guys have already mentioned, it's a, uh, yet yeah, they're very relevant and salient points. You would think that the team at the top would have nowhere to go but down, but yeah, Tampa Bay bringing everybody back in the salary cap era. I mean, who does that? That's absolutely incredible what they've been able to do. And of course, like any team that's been down for a while, with teams that are down and almost out, they seem to build up a lot of salary cap room and they're able to use that room and maybe some shrewd drafting to, um, replenish their rosters. I mean, that's how the system is supposed to work, which is why the NFL has a lot of turnover and a lot of parity as for which teams are in contention every year. That's why you have at least four in, four out every year. And, uh, of course, Tampa, I think, is going to stay within the elite and be a playoff team again. But, uh, you you know, as as far as the teams on the rise, I I like what Brett said about the Minnesota Vikings. I have high hopes for them this year, especially with the uh, Aaron Rodgers uncertainty in that old black and blue division. I think the Chicago Bears did it with mirrors last year. I think the Bears are on their way down. I think, of course, what Jason said about the Pittsburgh Steelers are definitely true. Not just Villanueva leaving that line, but David DeCastro as well. Um, they really have to rebuild there. I think they've only got one starter back on their line and he's moving from left tackle to left guard. So how's he gonna be able to to manage that? Uh, I, I really, and this is a, probably a bold move in the eyes of some, I don't think the Cleveland Browns are going to be as as uh, as uh, much living up to their hype as people say they are. It's about a mentality. It's about a culture. Ever since they came back into the league, uh, not only have they underachieved, they've just been playing bad at times. I mean, sure they have a glittering looking roster, but if you don't have that winning mentality and that winning culture, and if you can if you can't deal with prosperity, which Cleveland hasn't been able to do. I mean, they they made the playoffs in '02. They won ten games in '07. What did they do with all that? It did absolutely nothing. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to have to wait and see on Cleveland. For me, the AFC North is Baltimore's to lose, and they're a prohibitive favorite. So there's there's your up and there's your down. And uh, oh, one more one more team on the way up. I love the way the Dallas Cowboys did nothing but defense with that draft. They had to strip it down and get some young pieces in there. Football's a young man's game. Of course, it's a salary cap game, too, so you have to go young. But I love the way Dallas – address their their defense, and they already have one of the best offenses in the league. That O-line has to be healthier than it's been. So I'd like like the Cowboys to return to the postseason, too.
0: Great, guys. You just gave us a professorial lecture on on what's been happening in the offseason. Great, great stuff. Let's do a lightning round here. Uh, One sentence only from each of you. We're going to start with Jason. Uh, What is the biggest issue as you see it facing the league? Going into 2021. Just one sentence, and then we'll talk, have a conversation after all three of you state your case. Jason?
3: I think, yeah, I think the biggest issue facing the league is how the 17 game schedule is going to work out for especially the players and maybe even the fans a little bit if it'll lose a little luster in the 16th and 17th, or I guess 18th week now. So that's what I'm worried about.
0: Yeah, well
2: stated. Brett? Uh, I'm going on top of that is, is the the salary cap uh, and the massive hit that they took last year with the, the amount of revenue that the league has lost uh, over the past 12 months because of the pandemic. Are they going to be able to make that up or are teams going to be stuck in kind of salary cap hell for the next two to three years because they have these loaded contracts thinking that their salary cap was going to keep going up, um, but obviously staying still at this point.
0: Very good. And Joey?
2: Yeah, I was going to go salary
1: cap too. I mean, uh, the, the the TV contracts are done. Uh, they they capped it and go down as much as people thought it would, but it still went down. But is it going to ex- explode to the point where maybe teams might get bold and maybe get a little foolish with some of their player moves? So it's going to be interesting to see these wild fluctuations and how teams handle that. Even though you know the salary cap came in. I have to remind everybody, in 1993, so teams have had time to understand how it works and how to manage it. But with the fluctuations we've had due to COVID and the lack of fans and all that, our team's going to be able to handle that uh, fluctuation.
3: Yeah, I think this, the salary cap thing was, is a big thing. Nothing is moving. It's still like as if it's based off a 16-game schedule, uh, but it's not. So I, I get that point. But I'm also, again, I, I still think about it from the fans' perspective. When you add more. Is less intrigue. So I, again, I'm thinking about week 17 and 18. They may not get the revenue that they're looking for, even though the NFL is what we all love and crave and want to see every single Sunday. Your casual fan is not going to be into it as much. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to be checking those ratings in week 17 and 18.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and going on and going on top of those uh those TV deals is is some of these games that they've been putting out in prime time and and how the the league's going to be able to adjust where you have. You know, 32 markets that you want every single one highlighted, and you have all these games, and you have all these primetime games, and Thursday and Sunday and Monday, and you know, last year was Tuesday and all that stuff. Um, but but how do you highlight your your key matchups um, without taking away from? some of those other 32 teams that kind of need that recognition, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, of the league, uh, you know, you know, everybody wants to see Patrick Mahomes. So now you're hoping that everybody wants to see Jar- Trevor Lawrence, but you never know how that's going to pan out. Um, you know, you look at week one, I, you know, Sunday night football is supposed to be the premier matchup of the season and it's the Rams versus the bears. It's, uh, it, it, it's that's not one that moves the needle for me. Um, I think the, the Rams are an okay team. They're a pretty good team. I think they're a playoff team. Um, you know, obviously had the best player in the league in Aaron Donald, but uh, that's not a game that moves a needle for me, especially for week one when you have, want to highlight your best game on Sunday night football week one, everybody's excited. And you got the Rams versus the Bears. And a lot of that comes because of the stadium and, and the situation that the Raiders and the Rams went through last year, where you're opening up brand new gorgeous billion dollar stadiums that nobody got to walk into. Um, so that's why you're looking at this week one matchups so, of so kind of a, a make good uh, by the NFL to the Rams, um, and, and having that, that Sunday night game. And then you have the Raiders with that Monday night game, uh, in Vegas, uh, of, of, kind of showing the light, uh, with the fans in, the, in those new stadiums. But is it really moving the needle? Are you really going to stay awake till 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night to watch, uh, you know, the Rams versus the Bears, uh, in, in a, a matchup that, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, here in Baltimore, East Coast, uh, that most, most people might not care about it.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, you talk about moving the needle. Um, it's all about ratings. And when you have uh, two TV markets as big as L.A. and Chicago meeting, that's going to get viewers It, it just for the sheer volume of it alone. I mean, it, it, I think a lot of fans still about, uh, let me see, it's been about 16 years now since Monday Night Football moved from ABC to ESPN. And I think the league did that because they want Sunday night to be the spotlight at night. It's just that habits die hard. I mean, Monday night football has been around since 1970 when you only had three or four channels. And I I just think people are used to having Monday night be the spotlight at night. And when you see the better matchups moving to Sunday night, people still are not used to that. Um, So I I just think that uh, in recent years, I think the league has been a little better getting some better games on Monday night. But for a while there, you were getting the drugs out there because – like you said, the Jacksonvilles of the world want to get spotlighted. The league wants everybody spotlighted. But if people aren't going to watch and Jacksonville was with the number 55 TV market, I mean, they're just not going to tune in. So you got to have L.A. and, and Chicago and, and, and teams like that on. I mean, the Jets and the Giants play in the number one market in America. But are they any good? Uh, well, not right now. They're not. That's for sure.
0: Great guys. Tremendously knowledgeable. And that's what I've learned to love about uh, the three of you. Uh, let's talk about uh, the actual season now what you think is going to happen and uh, I'm inspired by an article that I read the other day on USA Today uh, where the author was talking about uh, teams that made the playoffs last year that may not make it make the playoffs this year and rank them and vice versa the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year that might make it so let's uh, Let's pick your brain as you look into the uh, crystal ball. And as we think about playoffs last year and think about playoffs coming up, uh, which team or teams uh, do you think uh, who made it last year might not make it and vice versa? And let's start with uh, Brett.
2: Uh, well, I mean, I, I think the, the big story, and we, we started off the, the whole program talking about the biggest story of the offseason is Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's just going to be too much of a transition. Uh, Matt Lafleur is good coach. You know, Aaron Jones, good running back, good offensive line. Devontae Adams, you know, one of the two or three best wide receivers in football. Solid defense, but uh, without Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think you have that transition year. Um, if he does come, then I, I think they're they're back to normal and, and to make the playoffs. So that's the big question mark there is what he what he does. But um, you know, I look at teams like Chicago. Um, I think they're in a transition. Uh, obviously, you have the quarterback transition we've from Mitch Trubisky, uh, and, and you know you now you have Andy Dalton leading the way, Justin Fields kind of breathing down his neck. Um, and then uh, you know the one that's i uh, I'll probably say it every year is uh, whoever's won the NFC East the year before. So Washington Football Team's in trouble. Um, we've seen this uh, as an Eagles fan. I've seen this uh, for uh, I think it's now a decade, and uh, it's uh, it's. Hmm, there's no repeats in the NFC East. It's just there, every team seems to be kind of evenly matched every year. There's always somebody that falls down last year was the Eagles, the year before it was uh, the, I guess they were the Redskins back then, but um, every year they kind of uh, uh, replace the King of the NFC East. So uh, I'm going to say Washington's will kind of be one of those teams that does not make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as teams that, could could make that leap. Uh, you know, Joe mentioned uh, Miami and what they were able to do uh, over the past couple of years. And I really like that. Um, I also really, uh, really, really like Minnesota. I, I think they're able to get into the playoffs and, and, you know, maybe they're the ones that are stealing that Chicago Bears spot or that green Bay Packers spot. Um, and and uh, it, they, they should be able to, to, to make a jump. Um, and, and, you know, Besides that, whoever's in the NFC East, like, we, like I just mentioned, uh, you know, as an Eagles fan, I, I have a positive outlook, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And the conversation keeps circling back to the quarterback play. Um, but whoever is the best quarterback in the NFC East is going to end up winning that division. I just don't think it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, um, but I could easily see it being Dak Prescott, uh, Daniel Jones, or Jalen Hurts uh, kind of taking the reins and being that best quarterback in the NFC East and leading their team to the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm. Joey, you're up.
1: Okay, well, like I said, every year since 1990, you've had four teams drop out and four come in, at least that many. And this year I'm thinking five in and five out, two in the AFC, three in the NFC. And the AFC, we've already touched on that. I like the Chargers and the Miami Dolphins to be in and Pittsburgh and Cleveland to drop out. I know the AFC North has been a very tough division, one of the toughest in football over the last few years. But I'm just not sold on Cleveland because of their their track record and their culture and Pittsburgh simply got old in all the wrong places, the offensive line, the quarterback and uh, their secondary. I mean, the Ravens fans complain about their team drafting wide receivers. What about Pittsburgh and secondary guys? They don't do a very good job there. So that's the turnover in the AFC switching over to the NFC. Uh, we've already touched on a lot of these teams. I like Washington, New Orleans, and Chicago to drop out and going in there. Uh, I'm, I'm as high in, on Minnesota as bread is. I like, uh, Dallas to win that division if the defense does anything it all it has to do is be like maybe 15th to 20th rank and they could be uh, winning the division and just to fill in what you said Brett there's been no repeat winner in the east since 2004 when the Eagles did it so it's been a good 17 years since anybody repeated in that division so Minnesota Dallas and a surprise pick I'm going to take the New York Giants to grab a wild card spot because uh, they they got hit with some injuries. I I think if Daniel Jones takes the step that young quarterbacks ought to take, and with an incredible runner like Saquon Barkley healthy, and uh, adding Kenny Galladay, I, I, I'd like the Giants to be a, a bold pick to get into there. So three and three out in the NFC, two and two out in the AFC.
0: Very good. Hey, Jason, I know on uh, your third and three podcast, uh, you're now in the process of going through the divisions. You did the Uh, AFC East uh, last week, and you did the AFC North this week. So I know you've given a lot of thought to uh, who's going to make the playoffs, who might not. What's your take?
3: Yeah, definitely. And I got to say already, great minds do think alike because what Brett and Joey were saying, I am really with them all the way. The New York Giants is one that I think is actually going to win the division this year, so I love them. They got more power on offense. Saquon Barkley is coming back defense is excellent i mean it really is an excellent defense and now that they'll be able to control the ball more on offense i like what they're going to do so i see them taking washington spot definitely i love miami this year i have them finishing second behind buffalo but it will be close they can win 10 maybe even 11 games as long as Tua continues to not turn the ball over they'll be in really good shape i also got the chargers in i think that the Chargers, like i said they're not going to win that division either but they're going to win enough games to get in. They're going to start winning these close games. That's what happens. Team transitions from the year next. and like, oh, we're not losing these close ones anymore. We're winning these close games, and I think that's what's going to really happen. The last one that I didn't hear, and I'm surprised because the San Francisco 49ers are a stacked team. And if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy. I know it sounds kind of funny. Even to me, I'm giggling inside right now, but it does work. He does know how to run the offense, and we have an incredible defense. We just got hurt last year offensively and defensively. I'm saying we because I'm a 49er fan. Obviously, now it's coming out of my heart, but I do believe that they'll get in. Who's going out? The Saints. I don't trust the quarterback situation. You guys mentioned the Packers already. If Aaron Rodgers isn't there, forget about it. You know, There's no way that Love is going to be able to do it. You talked about the Washington football team. I agree. I don't think they're going to be in this year, and the one that I mentioned way earlier, I think, is going to take a really big drop is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm.
0: A lot of consensus. Now we're going to sift and sort and get to the bottom line. Uh, drum roll. <laughs> uh, your picks. Last year in the mm-hmm. AFC Championship, we know who was there. We, you haven't talked much about, about either Casey or Buffalo. Uh, you think they're going to repeat? So let's look at the AFC Championship game first. Oh. Which two teams will be there? Uh, Let's start. Keep with you, Jason. Who's going to make it?
3: Well, uh, one, you guys may be able to guess. One is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are just too good, and they'll be replenished on the offensive line, and they'll be able to work things out. That was the only reason why I could say they lost the Super Bowl. It would have been a whole different game had their offensive line been intact. There was no Mitchell Schwartz, no Eric Fisher. There was no way with that Tampa Bay defensive line. So, I like the Chiefs, and that may shock you guys really big time right now, but I love, love the Indianapolis Colts. I love them. They have an amazing defense. It's top five. They have a top three offensive line. Jonathan Taylor has been running the hell out of the ball ever since week six or seven of last year. Now Carson Wentz is in a different comfortable, he can breathe, he can relax situation, because we know he's a good quarterback. He was just screwed up in the brain last year. That's what happened. Things were not good in Philly. He needed out just as badly as Ben Simmons did for the 76ers. So I think that the Colts, with that running game and Carson Wentz, he's got Michael Pittman Jr. He's a big wide receiver. He's still got T.Y. Hilton. Things can happen for these guys, and I think that they're just strong enough on defense and strong enough offensively. Quentin Nelson, that offensive line, is a brick wall. I love the Colts, guys.
0: Mm. A favorite to repeat? And a surprise team. I think that's the first time we've heard the Colts. Great thoughts. Joey, What are, who do you see? Well, I'll, t-
1: I'll tell you what. I'm not surprised to hear about Indianapolis. It's just that the AFC South doesn't get a lot of respect, and maybe justifiably so. Um, a, a fun fact for you, the AFC South and the NFC North are the two divisions that have had only two Super Bowl representatives since the turn of the century. So you might want to write that down when you're picking your Super Bowl teams. AFC South, NFC North, not well represented in the Super Bowl since the turn of the century. But, yeah, I'd like Indy to win that division. Uh, Of course, Kansas City, to me, is the class of the conference. Uh, I have Buffalo getting the second seed. But when you get down to that AFC championship game, I think you're going to see the Baltimore Ravens get there and run into their, uh, what Lamar Jackson has already said is their kryptonite, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Kansas City is still going to have that hoodoo over the Ravens, as talented as both teams are, they do meet in the regular season again in Baltimore. I think KC wins that game, which gives them the head-to-head tiebreaker, and I think it's Kansas City over Baltimore in the American Football Conference. Then you switch over to the uh, to the NFC, and uh, I, I I really like uh, I really like the Rams. I'm higher on the Rams this year than Brett is, but. I think Stafford's going to have a better crew around him. And the Rams didn't throw the ball downfield very well at all last year. I think with Stafford, they're going to be able to do that. they got some really good receivers. Aaron Donald, what can you say? He's one of the best players at any position in the league. Uh, Rams in Tampa Bay for the NFC title and Kansas City and Baltimore
3: for the AFC. I get a little worried about the Rams and everybody being on the true, true train this year. They lost big guys in in defense last year, especially in safety position in Johnson. And um and Hill and now that's they're talking about moving Jalen Ramsey to safety, so if you take them off one of the corners and move that side of the field where nobody's going to throw to, that changes a lot of things. So I'm a little worried about that team.
2: Hmm. Yeah, you're also talking about uh, Michael Brockers who also left, who has been a kind of a stalwart right. uh, for for the middle of the defense and kind of the guy that took attention away from uh, Aaron Donald. And uh, again, I, I like Matt Stafford. I think he's a good player. The guy's never won a playoff game. And, you know, a lot of that goes back to what team he played for, but he's never won a playoff game. How's he going to perform when it gets into that situation? Um, you know, when you don't have a Calvin Johnson to throw the ball to who can go off for 300 yards at any point, uh, there's questions at the running back position. There's questions at the wide receiver position. Uh, you know, they let uh, Gerald Everett go and kept Tyler Higbee. Is the tight end position? I think the offense isn't going to be as good as everybody makes it out to be. And I don't think. Sean McBay is going to, uh, you know, be heralded as he's as been over the past couple of years as being this offensive genius as the league starts to catch up to him a little bit more.
3: Yeah, the NFC, sorry, I didn't get in, but um, I do have the Bucks going back to the NFC Championship game. They might host it this year, but they will be playing Russell Wilson, who will be the MVP of the league this year. The Seattle Seahawks are going to shock the hell out of people. Guys, I don't think the NFC is that all great anymore. I really don't live. If there's no Aaron Rodgers and no more Drew Brees, I mean, that takes away two tremendous teams, maybe two of the best besides Tampa Bay. So I really like Seattle this year. They've helped out a lot on that offensive line. They've got other players with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Do. And I know the defense is going to dig up at Jamal Adams and Nick there in the middle uh, and Bobby Wagner. So I'm liking what they're doing. I think the Seahawks make a big comeback and they play the Bucks in the NFC championship.
1: Hmm. I, I'll tell you what, I'd I, I like the Seattle pick, I, even though I'm, I'm high on the Rams, but Seattle to me, they're the NFC's Ravens. They're always in the mix. They occasionally get to a Super Bowl and uh, they, they, what they are, the Ravens with better receivers. We, you just mentioned who they are. And, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, if, if the Rams don't live up to the expectations I have for them, then I certainly see the Seahawks uh, doing some good things.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, when everything's said and done, um, who's going to be in the Super Bowl? Brett, what do you think?
2: All right, well, I'm going to go back to my uh, championship pick. So I'm going to, you know, I, we've heard the same same teams and the same name. So I'm going to kind of go out on a win here and kind of just uh, – uh, you know, throw some darts at the dartboard and see what sticks. But, um, you know, obviously Kansas City being the the, the favorites in the AFC, but I'm going to go against it. I'm just going to go against everybody. It's probably the wrong move, but, um, you know, it is a remade offensive line. So how do they gel? Uh, does it take a year for them to fit in? Um, you know, you, you, their weapons outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are somewhat lackluster. I don't really trust Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the way he fell off uh, the second half of last year, especially in that passing game. He should have had clear running room all season. So I'm going to go with Buffalo and Tennessee in the AFC Championship game. I really like Tennessee. I like Mike Rabel as a coach. I, I think he's a a, a a tough coach that that understands how to play winning football and, and running the ball. When you have Derrick Henry, uh, you're going to win a lot of games, but now you're adding in Julio next to A.J. Brown. And I, I think their defense will be better. Uh, I think Kevin Byard might be the most underrated player in the NFL at safety. Um, and you get Harold Landry, start adding in some of those pieces, uh, the Bud Dupree's um, into that defense that I, I think they will be better than last year and good enough to get them to the Hanson Championship. Um, from there, I'm going to take Buffalo um, going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I just think this might be Josh Algier to to, to take that team to the next step. Uh, you know, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, really good wide receivers. Then you add in Emmanuel Sanders. Um, you know, you, you add some pieces um, on the defensive side of things as well and, and get younger and, and add those pass rushers that they drafted in the first two rounds. Uh, I think they're a pretty complete team, so I'm going to give Buffalo the ASC Championship. Uh, on the NFC side, again, I'm going to I'm going to go against Chalk. Um, I am going to take Tampa Bay to make it to, to the NFC Championship game. Um, you know, like we talked about earlier, that the, the best roster in football right now when, when you're bringing everybody back from the Super Bowl team. And I'm going to go a real surprise. um You know, we, we just mentioned Seattle and, and Los Angeles uh, and then the Rams, but I'm, I'm going to take Arizona as the surprise team in the NFC that kind of makes that run to the NFC Championship game. Uh, I don't think they'll have enough to get over past the Bucks, but I think they're the team that's ready to take that next step if Clint. Kingsbury can get him there, um, so I'm taking a risk here, but I'm going to say uh, Arizona makes the NFC Championship game, and uh, I'm still going to take Tampa to win it. Um, Tampa, Buffalo in the Super Bowl, and Buffalo gets their hearts broken again, and Tom Brady uh, walks around with seven rings and uh, is despised by everyone at this point.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it, um, Jason? What do you think? What?
3: About that right there, you know, Buffalo. I like. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. I can. I can absolutely see them going to the uh, going to the Super Bowl winning it. I, I don't know who they play. Arizona, that's a tough one. The reason why it's so tough is the division they play in. Like you said, you mentioned Seahawks, the 49ers and the Rams, who are all are seemingly improved teams, even though I don't think the Rams, like we talked about, are gonna be as great. That's a tough division, even just for them to get into the playoffs. I know they have, you know, we have seven teams now, but that I worry about. So that's definitely going out on a limb. And let me tell you something. If they get anywhere near the Super Bowl, I will be calling you on the phone and asking you how much money should I write the check out for because that would be an amazing prediction.
2: <laughs> I tell you what, I just, you know, you add you – add, they have these young players um, and then they, now you're still, they're starting to add those core guys in. Uh, you add in a J.J. Watt, and not only is he an all-time great player, he's not what he once was five, six years ago. But what he brings into that locker room, I think, is what's going to help them kind of get over that edge. Um, If you remember back, and Joe Joe will talk about it, 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 with those Baltimore Ravens, the first time they won the Super Bowl, um, the guy that they brought in that kind of changed everything for him was Rod Woodson. And I think J.J. Watt can have that similar kind of impact where it kind of elevates that entire roster to the next level because of his leadership in that locker room, a veteran guy, uh, one of the all-time great players um, that can step in and say – you look. This is what we need to do to be a winning football team, and you know, follow my lead. And I think that's kind of what they've been lacking. Um, so JJ Watt, I think it's going to have a bigger impact in the locker room than he will even have on the field. But a lot of talent around him as well. Uh, good quarterback. Um, you know, great wide receivers, and and, and a pretty solid defensive core uh, with JJ Watt, Chandler Jones, those middle linebackers. Uh, you know buda baker um being arguably one of the two or three best safeties in the league so i do like arizona this year to make the playoffs i'm just going out on one saying they're going to make it there's always a team that makes a run to the championship game whether it's whatever side of afc or nfc but there's always a team that we didn't expect and i think that this year might be arizona
1: hmm. i'll tell you what from arizona's point of, from arizona's point of view that's the toughest to me that's the toughest division in football the afc north is close behind but uh, it's one of the reasons I'm high on the Rams, but I don't, I don't blame you for citing what the Cardinals have done there, especially with the J.J. Watt. And, and I love what you mentioned with, uh, with Rod Woodson, although I would say that Shannon Sharp was another reason why the Ravens finally got over the top. I know Shannon didn't play on that great defense they had, but, uh, you know, I think back to the, uh, the Orioles of 66 when Frank Robinson came in. He put them over the top, so I, I would say Shannon Sharp and Rod Woodson were the modern-day Frank Robinsons for the, for the Baltimore Ravens
0: hmm. Your picks, Joe.
1: OK, well, in the NFC, like I said, I'm I'm higher on the Rams than everybody else. Uh, Rams in Tampa Bay for the NFC title, Baltimore and Kansas City for the uh, for the AFC. Uh, uh, like I like I said, with Lamar Jackson earlier, he said Kansas City is the kryptonite and it's going to happen again. I think Kansas City beats him in the regular season, beats him in the playoffs, goes to the Super Bowl. And uh, it's funny, after 54 years of Super Bowl play, we we didn't have anybody play in a Super Bowl in their own building. And then Tampa Bay did it. And now I think the Rams are going to do it this year with the Super Bowl being in SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. You're going to have the Rams and the Chiefs. And if you remember that Monday night game a couple years ago where it ended up like 54 to 51, uh, the, the most incredible pinball type of game I've ever seen. We're going to see that in Super Bowl 56. And, uh, and it, it's funny how... Uh, the NFL has been defined by its dynasties every decade. In the 50s, it was Cleveland. In the 60s, Green Bay. In the 70s, Pittsburgh. In the 80s, San Fran. In the 90s, Dallas. And New England, the last two decades. And I think Kansas City is going to get a leg up on being the team of the 20s. Kansas City over the Rams for their second title in three years.
0: Uh, great profiles on on your part in terms of giving us the skinny as you see it uh, across the league. Uh, before we say goodbye to our to our audience, let's do a round robin. Final thoughts. Uh, we'll end up with Joe. Let's start with Brett, then Jason, and then close with Joe.
2: I'm gonna kind of go Homer right here. I haven't really talked about him. I'm an Eagles fan, been a diehard Eagles fan my you know basically my entire life. I'm actually heading to Dallas. They're playing there Monday Night Football week three. We're gonna go family trip. It's gonna be a, a great experience just to see that stadium. But uh, I, I, I look a lot of analysts I see them very down on this entire roster the entire team I think it's a team that could shock some people uh you know I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender this year but I I I already mentioned I said I I could realistically see Jalen Hurts end up being the best quarterback in that division by the time the season's over uh I think Dak coming back from that injury um and, and kind of being overrated and because he's that Cowboys quarterback um And I don't know what Daniel Jones is going to do with all these new weapons if he's going to take that next step. Um, I could see um, Jalen Hurts kind of taking that sophomore leap that we've seen so many quarterbacks take over the past couple years. We saw Lamar Jackson do it, uh, a similar style quarterback, obviously Lamar a little faster. Uh, but, you know, Lamar's second year, he was MVP of the league, had one of the greatest seasons of all time. And, you know, I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is going to rush for 1,000 yards and, and you know, lead the league in passing touchdowns. But um, I think Jalen Hurts could be that guy or they could completely fall off the map if Jalen Hurts isn't, which they're in good position if, if he does because they lose three first-round picks next year. Uh, but uh, I think that the Eagles are going to surprise a lot of people. I think uh, the fact that everybody's kind of down on them uh, is going to motivate them. They have a really good offensive line that's coming back healthy, they have a really good defensive line, and that's how you win championships and that's how you win games. And and that's been their focus for, you know, the past five, six years is, is building up those two lines. And um, I think Jalen Hurts can bring some explosion with some of those young players around him um, and, and kind of really shock, shock the league. So that'll be my my, my prediction. Um, you know, this could obviously all fall apart if Jalen Hurts doesn't pan out and they end up being 3-13 again. So.
3: I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to stop giving MVPs to quarterbacks uh, and 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 that's it. I mean, nope. no, they're the most important position. The no, they're not going to. Because I'm looking right now. I just pulled it up, and and, and I was right. Since 2000, let me see. Uh, since 2007, there's only been one non-quarterback to win the MVP, and that was when Adrian Peterson went nuts and ran for over 2,000 yards. Ladainian Collinson and Sean Alexander won it back to back in 05 and 06. But other than that, you just see Peyton Manning, uh, Steve McNair is there, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Tom Brady so on and so forth, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, it, I, I'm getting exhausted. If you want to have a separate category for the quarterbacks, go ahead and do it. You know they're the most important position on the field, but a guy like Tyreek Hill, to me, is an MVP player completely and totally. What that guy does for his team is absolutely amazing, and he doesn't need Patrick Mahomes to do it. So I look at guys like that, Alvin Kamara, who does so much for their teams and believe that they deserve this recognition. Mm-hmm. Joey? Well, when
1: this season starts, right around the same time the season starts, I'll be marking uh, 42 years in sports media over parts of six different decades. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of changes. And some of the changes have been for the better and some not so much. And this is a pet peeve of mine. A lot of people probably don't even think about it all that much, but it's a pet peeve of mine. I want the NFL to go back to the original overtime rule. First score wins, boom, done. Put 15 minutes on the clock. For some reason, they Slash it down to 10. That makes no sense at all because the rule went in to eliminate tie games. And it did such a great job of doing that, that he, there was that day that Donovan McNabb didn't even know you could have a tie. Remember that one? Well, I remember. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what, it it would be great if you just go back to the original overtime rule. I don't give a darn about both teams having the ball in overtime. You've had four quarters. Every team averages about nine to 11 possessions a game. You had your chances in regulation to win. And, And for everybody who complains oh that a coin flip decides the game no it doesn't because it's documented in the nfl record and fact book that when the original rule was in place the times where you had a coin toss winner go down and get a field goal to win it it happened 30 percent of the time 30 not 90 but you would think it was 90 the way people were whining and moaning about it so let's get the original overtime rule back first score wins Let's not worry about both teams having the ball. This isn't a participation trophy league. This is the National Football League. It's time to get back to why that rule was put in in the first place. if people don't like ties, okay, I get that. But let's go back to the original rule where it did a great job and just about wiping them out.
0: Thanks, Joe. You had the final word. And thanks, too, to Brett and Jason for contributing mightily today. Lots of knowledge, certainly, shared by the three of you, and you've given us a lot to think about. All of us are getting excited about NFL 2021, and it's right around the corner. Joe and I will be back with you one more time this summer in August during preseason games before we go to a weekly schedule when the season gets underway. We'll have more details about that, our weekly schedule, in our next program. Until then, for Joe Platania, I'm Frank Fear. Thanks for listening to Joey P. and Frank. So long, everyone.
3: A tug of war, 22 nameless men grappling in the mud. They
1: called it.